Pleasant good morning to everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Coles Brown, uh, special guest co-host, at least for the first 30 minutes of the show, Coach Carlos James, head baseball coach at the University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff. The guest menu looks like this. Of course, Coach Carlos James joining us right now uh, following uh, Coach Carlos James. And by the way, Coach James is the head baseball coach at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, following Coach James will be Coach Otis Hughley Jr. He's the new men's basketball coach at Alabama A&M. He's joining us on today's show. Then in hour number two, Coach Van Petaway joins me, as he usually does, right here on the Carlos Brown Show. And then our final guest of today's show, he's a Southern University football commitment, Dupree Fuller Jr. He's a tight end. He is a tremendous talent, athletic, uh, a great get for uh, Southern University. So that's the guest menu. Here's what's trending on the Carlos Brown Show. Alabama State, the 2022 SWAC Baseball Tournament Champions, Wow, we're going to talk uh, more about that with Coach Carlos James. But boy, what a what a game! It was a marathon. They defeated uh, Southern University uh, six to five in fourteen innings. Can you believe that? It was like, is anybody going to win the ball game? But we'll get the particulars from Coach Carlos James, and then baseball related. Kerry Jackson, new head baseball coach at Memphis. That's a, a huge, huge announcement that uh, came this past week. Coach James, good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm all right. How you doing? I'm, I'm okay. Um, it was a tough Sunday for me uh, personally. Uh, Southern University, they uh, defeated FAMU in an elimination game to make it to the championship. And then uh, Alabama State, of course, they lost six to five. And then uh, my NBA team, the Miami Heat, winning game six in Boston. And then you have a home game that Sunday, game seven. They dropped that ball game. But you know what, Coach? Life goes on. But if you're a sport fan, you have to be happy all the way, all the way around um, with those results. But um, Alabama State, Coach, in a marathon, 14-inning game, they were able to defeat Southern University. Kind of get your, your thoughts and perspective on, on that, that, that ball game in the tournament itself. You, you know, I, I, I picked them to start the tournament out anyway. When we was talking about that, UI and Charles, um, I actually picked Alabama State this year. Uh, I, I just think it was their turn. It was just their time. You know, Coach Vasquez has done a really good job with with the program over there. Uh, he had a couple of near misses in the in the last few years. Um, I think uh, the edge was pitching at the end, even though it was a close game. But I, I think the the uh, the X factor was uh, Southern losing Xavier Moore. Um, you know, a lot of people don't uh, realize that, but when you lose a guy like Xavier Moore. With, with his experience and his leadership, you know, just with, with me being around the program and 
and seeing him grow and and just the way the guys responded to him, I think the loss of Xavier Moore may have given Alabama State that one-run edge. And, and Coach, looking at the ball game, uh, in my perspective, and I understand what you're saying, um, you could say missed opportunities for for both uh, teams. Southern University, bases loaded a couple of times, not able to push more runs across the plate. Alabama State, they could say the same thing. But, um, you know, Southern went into their bullpen, which had been kind of shaky. But guess what? I, I thought they, they performed admirably. But at the end of the day, Alabama State, it came down to who who produced the runs, and Alabama State were able to produce one more run than Southern University. And uh, many uh, pundits have said this is one of the most uh, historic games in the conference because they went to 14 innings. But how about missed opportunities for, for both teams? I guess that's baseball. Yeah, that just that's just part of the game. I mean, you're gonna have your times where you should have should have may have scored or, or or here or there you made an error here or there. It's just part of the game, um, and 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 that's the beauty of baseball. You know, it just things like that just happen. But but you had two teams, you know, you know, fighting it out, and um, you know the one team, Alabama State, made the one extra play to win. You know, that just kind of. All to it, but if you're a Southern Jaguar fan, I mean, you've been in the championship last three years. You know, you won two out of three. Mm-hmm. You know, so in this day and age, with with all the parity, as you saw in the SWAC tournament, you know, a lot of the games were close. You know, and then with the addition of, again, we talk about having Bethune and FAMU in in the conference. You know, for Southern to go there three straight years in a row and to come away with two titles. I mean, you gotta you gotta give them kudos, and then you also gotta give a program like Alabama State, which has put a lot of money into their program, you know, and they've had a lot of continuity with their coaching staffs and things like that. That you know, they deserve to win too, you know. So um, I'm still a proponent, and I've always told people you're probably not gonna have a lot of back-to-back champions here in the next probably mm-hmm. five to seven years because it's just gonna be so much parity in the conference. That's an interesting point that you make, Coach, because, uh, yeah, di- disappointing that, that you know, Southern dropped the decision. But if you look at the – in the grand scheme of things, uh, back-to-back champions and then make it for a third year in a row uh, fell a little bit short. But, you know, even if you look back in the tournament, uh, they persevered. They they got behind, and, and, and several of the games were able to – uh, to, to battle back. So the effort was there and uh, uh, an emotional coach Crenshaw on the local station, WBRZ, they talked to him after the game. And I mean, he, he literally lost it. He, he, he teared up. He talked about uh, the seniors and, you know, losing them and, you know, being around the program, it, it was tough. So you can kind of see the emotion. And sometimes I think coach in a way we forget that coaches are humans also, I know that sounds, you know, kind of nutty there, but they're humans. They get emotional. And um, they were talking to some of the players. It, it, it really was an emotional time, but the effort was, wow, the effort was there. And so, yeah, yeah you could be disappointed, but you can't be mad and frustrated with um, 
what Southern baseball has accomplished. Yeah, you got to also understand they did it with having a transition of coaches. And Eric won the first one, uh, and then that transition there, and then you had a pandemic, and they still were on top. You know, so they they've done you know an admirable job. You know, to to be able to be in the championship many times they have. And, um, you know, and I can kind of sympathize with Coach Crenshaw, you know, with his emotion that, you know, he had a lot of experienced guys that he's losing. And you don't know if you're going to ever get – you're going to get that chemistry back for a couple of years. You know, we, we see it, you know, as much as we like to say that every year, you know, we want to compete for a championship or we're going to do that. But you also see that rebuilding period coming at some point too. You know, and I think Coach Crenshaw actually sees that. Like, you know what? We had a run, and then now I got to rebuild this thing because we, we, we're losing a lot of important pieces, you know, that has been the championship games that understand the conference and things like that. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it is emotional. Yeah, it is. And, and I must say again, if I didn't say it, congratulations to Alabama State. Because they persevered, they they've been a, a, a consistent model to me, in my humble opinion, as far as what they've been able to accomplish uh, over the years. And then you talked about again the impact and the discussions. There've been a lot of discussions about the impact of Family and Bethune Cookman. They basically were one game away from, you know, being in in, in the championship. So we 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 see the impact. And um, as I, you know, posted on social media, some of the uh, FAMU alums, hey, uh, glad to have you in the conference. We've seen the impact already, and, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Not that they have to build themselves, but their, their baseball pedigree, I mean, it, it just makes the, the conference stronger, Coach. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Um, and then you got to understand that maybe more coming. Hmm. Wait a minute, what was, what was that? Maybe what? More coming, did you say? That could be more expansion coming to the SWAC. You got to understand, like, right now the landscape, <laughs> hey, it could get better, you know? So, wow. Hey, hey, look out. Well, 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 Coach, I'm not actually to drop a, a nugget there or, or a bombshell, but um, I, I understand, yep, expansions – and, um, wow, if you go from 12 teams to perhaps 14 teams, thus it may have to be someone who has a baseball program. Because I, I say that because a lot of times Tennessee State is mentioned, but correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, they don't have a baseball program, but that's just – I mean, there are other institutions out there. You're right, the landscape is changing. But you you got to understand, they, they've had baseball – and they they were successful at baseball when they did have baseball, and then then Nashville. So that's not too hard to get a baseball team and start a really good baseball team as well, with all the talent in that Nashville area. So, hey, it's could get better, which is great for the conference, you know, for the swag as a whole. You you talking, you know, the the uh, 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 HBCU Super Conference. What, what, coach? It seems like you have a twinkle in your eye, but I, I won't put too much emphasis on on that. Um, right. 
<laughs> you know, it, 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 it's going to be interesting. And, and speaking of that, uh, Kerry Jackson, you mentioned Nashville. Yes. Uh, Kerry J- Jackson, former head baseball coach at Southern University, now the head baseball coach at Memphis. I, I personally reached out to him and congratulations to him. What, what do you think, in your humble opinion, the impact of, of, of that hiring at Memphis for Kerry, Coach Kerry Jackson? Best hire of the year right now in college baseball. And one of the better places to be hired at, especially as an African-American coach, to be in Memphis. You know, a lot of people don't understand Memphis has a, a, a real rich history you know, of, of baseball, you know, Negro League baseball, black baseball in that area. Um, and and you also have a lot of talent in that area. And then Memphis being the center of the United States, and you got a guy like Carrick is so dynamic that can recruit all around the country. I think that program is going to be really good, really fast. You know, my warning to Memphis is this, you're probably not going to have him too long because he's going to win and some bigger school is going to want him. Uh, because Coach Jackson does a really good job of, of, of wherever he's been. You saw what he did, you know, at Missouri as a recruiting coordinator. They were really good. You know, we ran up against them a couple times, and I was so glad to see that he wasn't at the game when we beat him, you know, because he can coach, you know. But I figured out that once he wasn't there, we had a chance to win. Uh, but he, he built that program at Missouri. But since he's been gone, you know, they hadn't made the SEC tournament. In, in, in many years, you know, and then that, then he took the job at Southern and he quickly, you know, when they was in transition, turned that program around in the last three years, it's been in the SWAC championship, has won two out of the three last, you know, uh, conference tournament championships. And then he started the MLB draft league, you know, uh, and then now at Memphis. So Memphis got a steal there. They got a real steal there, so I, I'm, I'm happy to see that. And, it's, and anytime you see, you know, for us as coaches, see another uh, African-American coach get an opportunity at a predominantly white school, and then especially a coach coming from the SWAC, you know, that's huge. You know, so, uh, you know, I can ca- I called him and congratulated him as well and uh, hope he does, you know, big things. And big things, and often we've talked on the show about building relationships. Uh, Coach Jackson has a relationship with pretty much the majority of the um, the coaches, if not all of them, in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And and I know Southern University has played them in the three-game series, I believe. Uh, UAPB has played Memphis. So you could probably get to see each team kind of maybe get some games in, in, in the future as long as Coach Carrick is there, or at least – you know, uh, help otherwise on and off the field. Yeah, we, we usually, because it's so close in proximity to Pine Bluff, it's only like a two-hour drive uh, from Pine Bluff. So we usually play Memphis every year. Um, this year was the first year we, we beat them. <laughs> so I was glad we got a chance to, you know, I wasn't there, but I'm glad our, our, our team got a chance to win this year. But we'll get to see Coach Jackson probably on a regular basis now. Uh, with him being so close. I'm busy with Coach Carlos James, head baseball coach at the University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Alabama State 2022 SWAC Baseball Tournament Champions. Coach, I got a chance to see 
Um, Alabama State against the University of Tennessee. And um, when I saw watching, it was 2-0. to zero. Uh, Of course, Tennessee, the number one rated team in, in NCAA baseball and uh, hosting a regional Knoxville. And um, you can see why they were able to uh, take a 10-0 to zero victory over Alabama State. But, uh, hey, I've seen a, a few regional games in my lifetime, and um, it was just Tennessee was able to pour, pour it on. But the point I started watching, it, it was 2-0. But um, Alabama State, you know, now has a chance against uh, Georgia Tech, I believe, in elimination uh, game. Um, can I get your thoughts on that <sighs> – that ball game. And then I'll follow up with a lot of times we talk about that experience, you know, of playing in a regional. Um, but I thought Alabama state, despite the score, I, I thought they made a good accounting of themselves, especially early on. Yeah. I, 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 I thought they did well. Um, you know, the first four innings they were in the ball game, uh, against the number one team in the country. And, and not only they <laughs> Tennessee's the number one team in the country, you got probably about 15 big leaguers on it. And uh, for them to hold them down for four innings, you know, was, was great. And then, you know, you can t- you kind of tell Tennessee settled down there. You know, the nerves kind of went away. And then it was like, hey, bombs away. But, but you know, Alabama State, you know, they, they really represented the conference well. Uh, I think if they play anybody else other than the number one team in the country, I think they have, a, you know, would have had a better than average chance to win win the game. But when you're playing a team like Tennessee, and, and, and they're odd this year, like I told you, because I played them the last three years, you know, from when they were all freshmen and they grew up. And, that, and they, are, they are exceptionally good. It's like they're number one and then, then it's everybody else this year. You know, you, you, you can you can look at uh, the distance between the number one and number two team this year is probably five spots. You know, because Tennessee mm. is just that good. They're they got interchangeable parts. You know, for us in their hitting lineup that they can they can move guys in and out uh, just as well. But their pitching staff from one to twenty one, they got twenty one legitimate arms on their team. You know, and they Goodness. probably got like I told you, they probably got about seven or eight guys that's probably going to pitch in the big leagues pretty quick. You know, so uh, hey, what 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 Alabama State did was was really good against a, a really good team. You know, and they went fifty one and seven. You know, during the year, I mean, 50, they was fifty one, it was fifty one and five or something like that going to the SEC SEC tournament and 25 and five overall in the SEC like that's unheard of you know if you win 19 games in the SEC you, you've done really well but they won 25 games man so <laughs> you know Alabama they did well you know, and I'm proud of them um, I'm proud of them as well and then that brings up again we've talked about it a lot of other shows have talked about it, how you can get out of, you know, you win the tournament, you know, it's a one bid league, then you make it to the NCAA tournament. And if you, if you just had a, a, a better RPI as far as conference, you, you don't maybe get into playing that, that number one overall 
seed. But, uh, Coach, once again, that comes with, um, you know, out-of-conference scheduling and then having yeah. some success, correct? Well, yeah, it, I mean, it, it don't. It, it, it's just not out-of-conference scheduling. You know, it goes back to that old point that you and I always make in charge. It's about finances. It's about finances. Mm-hmm. It's about finances. And you have to get those bottom right now. You got 10. We got a, what, 12-team league right now. And that bottom four, us, Valley, Alcorn, Alabama A&M, our schools need to put more money into our program so that when we do schedule out-of-conference games against bigger competition, we have a chance to win. And we have a chance every year to win, compete for a championship because that top eight, they're there already. If you if you took us out of the conference, they probably would have a better RPI rating. You know, so mm-hmm. and I'm just being honest. You know, and that's that's just how I am. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, but I think the conference, if, if, if we want to get better, you're going to have to put money into those bottom four schools to be able to up the the RPI rating because then at that point we'll be able to compete. You know, all of us will be able to compete, you know, and it'll raise the conference profile because we'll start to win some of those games, even if we can start to beat those mid-majors. You know, if we can beat those mid-majors and jump an Ohio Valley or jump a uh, uh, AAC or Big South, if we start jumping those schools, then we can get a better draw in the NCAA and may even be able to get not one but the the, the two teams that play for the SWAC championship, maybe the or maybe the regular season champion, and then the tournament champion. Well, you know, in, in the last time we spoke, which was uh, I believe last week, you, you, you talked about you were going to sit down and uh, have that open, honest. A discussion with with your AD about uh, putting more resources into the baseball uh, program, and, and I'm sure if you polled or asked every other the the eight teams that you said are there, they they could use more re- resources a, as well. But um, you know, sit. But I, I understand your point. You, have you have a, a have you had a have a date in mind where you're going to sit down and have that frank discussion? Oh, it'll be here in, um, right before the fiscal year starts in the next two weeks. You know, fiscal year starts July 1. Uh, so we'll yeah. have that conversation prior to that, you know, so that we can see can we can get, you know, some type of funds, some something else that we can use. Even if it's just, you know, adding another coach, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just got to be some type of progress there, you know, for – uh, us to be able to be successful because if not, then you know you just can't can't keep just beating your head over a rock the whole time and, and thinking that you're gonna have success. I mean, we 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 caught lightning in the bottle for about three years, like I told you, and then everybody else figured it out. Like, okay, this is how he's doing this, but we have more resources, and hey, I'm on the bottom. And 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 there's no disrespect to the rest of the coaches in that top eight because they do a phenomenal job. And yes, they they probably do need more more uh, uh, resources as well, but they're at least uh, at a different playing field than what we are, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and my thing is, I didn't I didn't just not stop learning how to knowing how to coach. You know what I'm saying? It just it just came down to resources, and 
And as a yeah, as I get older, I just can't keep beating my head up against that rock like that. You know, because that's frustrating. You know, as a competitor, it's frustrating going out there every year. You start the year knowing that you're behind the eight ball. You know, so yeah, um, that's something that I have to look at from my my uh, career to say, hey, you know, this may not be this may be something I need to walk away from if if, if I can't get in a situation where you know I can play on the level playing field. So you know, it just is just the way it is. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you, I looked at uh, your stadium, and you've been on the show where where you're at the stadium, and uh, it, it, it looks nice. But I guess I'm a, I'm gonna put it this way: that's great. It's like buying a new car, but you know, when making that decision, you also have to look at the maintenance, and it just sounds like right. that that's what you're talking about. You, you still got to have the maintenance in place, resources to maintain the vehicle, and in this case, maintaining the baseball program. So, Coach, I understand um, where, you, where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah, like I always tell you, you know, we got to look. You know, if you look at our stadium and all that, you go, whoa. But we don't have resources to be able to put the players in that stadium or have the continuity in the coaching staff, you know, have, have a coaching staff, actually, and a recruiting budget to be able to uh, put the product on the field that reflects the stadium. I'm, I'm gonna say that, and uh, that's I, the frustrating part right there. And then as you get I, older, I as a... you. I think we may have lost uh, Coach James. We'll see if we can uh, get him back because you know he. He's bringing up a, a tremendous point there about you know having the the, the resources to maintain the program, and, and he's right, absolutely right. Google University of Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, baseball stadium and, and some of the things that they've done in the, in the past few years. But I guess I, I was going to follow up with him about. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that came from outside sources, not exactly from the university. Um, now I, I lost got Coach back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me, Coach? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. I was making the point that if you Google and look at the, the stadium and, and, and all the amenities, it, it's absolutely right. But I, I think if I'm not, if I'm not wrong here, a lot of the, that help came from outside the, uh, the the university, right? To get some of those things all of done. All, of all of okay. That answers all that. All, all, uh, it's about seven, eight million of it, you know, because you had to rec- acquire the land and start to build, and you know how much it costs to build things, and even that that new press box building we got with the locker rooms and all that concession stand that cost us. It started out being like four hundred thousand, and ended up being one point two million. You know, by the time we got to building it, and you know, so things are so expensive. You know, now, uh, so yeah, it was a lot of outside. It was all outside sources. You know, so you know, for a little inside help, or maybe some more outside help. You know, just some something to say. 
you know what, coach, we're going to give you some things you need to be successful. Or mm-hmm. you know how it goes. If not, you're going to keep losing, and they're going to get rid of you. Then they'll bring somebody else in and get in the things that you always ask for. You know, so wow. I'm gonna go out. I'm, I'm gonna go out on my own terms. You know, uh, I understand, I coach. Just, uh, yeah. yeah, message received so. loud and and clear. Um, finally, last week you kind of, uh, and, and I, I'll share this, Doctor Cavill, my colleague. He was watching in when you um, talked about tournament expansion. <laughs> For next year, and that was a that was a, a a hot topic. Of course, moving the term of next year back to New Orleans, and um, right, you know, he always takes the business uh, angle on that. And he said he had to sit down and think about that from a business perspective. But if, if you can quickly um, talk about that again for those who maybe didn't see the show last week, uh, the possibility of uh, a swag baseball tournament. Uh, expanding with the number of teams participating. I mean, what it, it makes sense from a business standpoint because if, if I'm a city that's hosting the swag tournament, of course, the more teams I get, right, that's the more hotel stays, the more food, the more fans that come to the venue, um, and, and that makes that makes it more uh, advantageous for me to host it over a long period of time. And I think also, I think it helps the conference. It helps those, and I always talk about the four bottom teams, and I know those schools may not like me talking about them being in the bottom, but it is what it is. Um, but it helps us on that bottom half each year out of those four teams, two of us to be able to get in, which would be able to sustain our program when we're going out recruiting to say at least, hey, we made the SWAT tournament. But if you say at eight, and then the eight schools that have the most resources, then we'll never get in it. And then all of a sudden, our program is going to start to just deteriorate. Because at that point, then now our uh, administration is going to go, well, y'all not winning anyway, so why should I put any more money in it? You're not even making it to the tournament. You know, so I think it's sort of like what the SEC did with revenue sharing. You know, you, you can't just exclude the bottom teams. And your conference is only as good as those bottom teams, point blank, period. You know, I, everybody likes to win, and I get that. But you can look at the same thing in football. Look at the same thing in basketball, in the swag. If we don't start to pay attention and start to understand how to make the bottom teams more competitive, then you're going to have a top-heavy league, and then now you can't sell that to ESPN or nobody else because you're just going to have a top-heavy league that's going to always have the same teams uh, buying for a championship, and nobody wants to see that at all anymore. You know, those days of, of just Grambling and Jackson dominating football, those days are over. You know, you can't have that. You cannot have uh, – uh, and, and I know I'm going to get killed for this on social media, but – you may have to look at changing when you have the Bayou Classic because some football teams Uh-oh. need to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, economically for the conference going forward, you may have to bring it a, a week ahead of time. So now a fam, you or somebody that don't make the, the celebration board or the SWAC championship can get into the, 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 uh, the playoffs and be able to compete because that's more money for the conference. 
You know, and the same thing with basketball. You know, it's just it's just things that we have to start to do business better. I know Coach Prime always says it. He says it a lot, but we have to start to look to the future and see how can we do things better in a conference where everybody wins. Everybody has to be able to win. You know, you can't every year, like at Valley, you know, like Coach Prime is going to help Valley on their field. Like, that's a great thing for him, but he shouldn't have to do that. You know, the conference as a whole, we should be revenue sharing and things like that so that we can make all the schools great. All the schools great in the SWAC. That's just my opinion. Well, you know, and like I said, I make you know, I understand. Before, but that's how I feel. Hey, people agree or disagree. Um, I'm looking at it in the chat room. Um, some are saying, no, the quality of play will go down if you add more teams. But look, I think you have to have that discussion. Right. You see what I'm saying, Coach? And, um, and boy, now, on that note, Think about it. Go, go ahead. I'm almost out of time here on this segment. Okay, but just think about it. Before the SEC was really good, before they started adding teams, when, when the University of Arkansas came in, and I know this to be a fact because I was in school at the time, that's when uh, Frank Rawls took it to the SEC commissioners and the presidents and said, hey, we should share this money so that all the schools won't be on the bottom. You know, you'll have a, a balance, and that's what the SEC did. They, they wanted the only conference that shares all their revenue, and they, they divided up amongst the schools. So now everybody's good, you know. So, And I'm not saying that we may have to take that model, but we have also have to understand, like, if we want to be where we should be, we got to do business better. We got we to gotta come up with different ideas that's going to make – it better for everyone and not just a certain few blue bloods. Well, coach, I understand. But when you say moving to Bayou Classic, I almost had a heart attack right here on the live show. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it makes a lot of money. It makes a lot of money for those two schools. But what about the other schools? Hmm. I, th You know what? I think this – we need to oh, have a more. We need to have a. We have. We need to have a more. Have a, a, a more discussion on this. And what I would like to do is bring someone maybe who feels differently or different about yeah. the situation. Yeah, of course. And, and just, just have the dialogue. Of course, because I, I, I just think like, for me, I'm not a traditionalist. I think I think we as black people get so caught up in traditions and what I call religion that we don't want to change things to see it may work better. You know, I'm not saying get a, get rid of it because I think it's, it's, it's part of our heritage, you know, and I, and I think those schools benefit well for it, but I think you can to be able to help everyone. If you, if you maybe tweak it a little bit, it may help other schools be able to go on and do what they need to do or what have you, you know, I just, I just, I mean, look at it, at least look at it. And if it don't work, then okay, that's fine. And if I'm wrong, I'm fine with that too. You know, but just at least look at it and see, could we change it to benefit everyone? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no. The Bayou Classic. I don't think I mean, it's great. 
Yeah, that, that, I don't that, think that, that coach, I think that's a tough sale. That'll uh, be a tough sale, but but I think there may be other options that we can look at on the table. Again, just, just you know, you guys will have to discuss that, you know, ADs, what have you. Uh, but there may be some alternatives, some other options. But, um, Coach, yeah. hey, I appreciate you coming on and talking about it. And um, let, let's set up a, a, another show where we can have opposing views. And, um, well, I say opposing yeah, we, views, but just have a, a discussion. Yeah, I think, I think we should have discussions on how do we make the conference better and how can we mm-hmm. keep some tradition but change some things to be able to to bring our conference into the 21st, 22nd century, whatever. You know, like, how do we make it better but keep some of our traditions at the same time? Because what we're doing okay. now, obviously, is just not everyone. You know, that's all I'm and, saying. And, right, and this specifically started out talking with, of course, baseball, more resources, uh, the teams that are not successful at, at the bottom and, and then just having more resources for baseball and an investment in baseball, because that is a sport that has the potential. We've been saying this for like eight years, 10 years that can do well yeah. outside the conference. So now is the time to start really, you know, making those uh, investments and maybe I need to start getting uh I've got a nice guest list of, of ads, uh, getting them getting them on and 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 you know, asking them where they stand on on the baseball program and how can we how can we invest and get more investment into the programs. Uh, I'm committed to Correct. doing that. Well, coach, I appreciate the time. Um, we'll talk again real soon. Appreciate you. Have a great All weekend. Right. You too, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That was Coach Carlos James, head baseball coach of University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Going to take a timeout. When I come back, boy, that was an interesting discussion. Don't kill the messenger. Just don't kill the messenger. It's always good to have dialogue and uh, open conversation. Coming up next, I'm scheduled to join with Coach Otis Hughley, uh, an impressive resume, the new Men's basketball coach at Alabama A&M. Boy, the who's who's. I mean, if you Google and look up his resume, oh, it's just outstanding. But he's scheduled to join me next. You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. I'll be right back. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard. 
as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Gaville's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1. At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently yes, schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton Esquire, 1631 Law. Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407-494-1471. thamptonlaw.com. For 200 years, right. Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, I assume, yes. this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Follow the Black College Sports Network and all yes. of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world, blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earthblend Coffee. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax.
welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Uh, that was a rendition by the Human Jukebox. I always dedicate that to uh, <laughs> Coach Petaway. <laughs> he, loves, <laughs> he loves Southern University in his own special way. Joined by Coach Petaway and our, our second special guest. Boy, I got his bio right in my hand. Coach Otis Hughley. Junior, Coach, it's still morning. Good morning, guys. Coach Petaway and Coach Hughley. Good morning. Good morning, Carlos. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I guess now is the new men's basketball coach at Alabama AM, Coach Otis Hughley Jr. It would probably take three or four minutes to read the total bio. But just to give you an idea, professional coaching experience, the National Basketball Association, international coaching experience, Nigeria, Spain, and China, as I turn the page, high school coaching career at Lafleur High School from 2004 to 2010, of course, college coaching experience, coached uh, associate head coach at Southern University under Coach Ben Joe, Coach Petaway. Have you were on the committee? <laughs> Just an outstanding, I I believe, outstanding hire in my opinion. Uh, Alabama A&M's men's basketball coach, Coach Otis Hughley Jr. Right, I, I, it's a great hire. Uh, being a part of the committee, uh, he's his uh, resume stood out. He stood out. I've been knowing Otis for years, and I I I have full confidence that he'll get the job done. Uh, he's a great motivator. Uh, I think the biggest thing that they'll find out that he teaches the game of basketball, and I think that's what's been missing here. And uh, he'll bring the excitement back, his style of play, his style of coaching. I think it's what our fans are looking for. So I look forward to the season. And so far, everything is uh, that, that he has done has, uh, has shown signs that we are going to have an exciting season forward to it. Coach Hughley, welcome to the Coles Brown Show for the first time. Um, coach, now, men's basketball coach, how are you feeling about uh, being the coach? And uh, and talk about your family, um, their their excitement of you uh, being the men's basketball coach at Alabama A&M. I'm really excited. How, do you hear me okay, Carlos? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I'm really excited. Family is certainly excited to have me stateside. In the past 12 years, I've been working on the global, global stage and to be back here at Alabama, man, I'm really, truly excited. Okay, Coach Pitaway, can you hear him pretty well? Yeah, he, he's, he's coming in a little. Uh, it might be because he's on his iPhone, but yeah, it, it's coming in, but it's not, uh, it's not crisp. But uh, I think what he's trying to tell us is that uh, he's excited about being here, uh, mm-hmm. being a part of the program, and he's hit the ground running. You know, he's been out recruiting. Uh, he's, he's, he's doing things. He's getting his staff together. So I think, uh, I think our fans are going to have a lot, uh, a lot to be excited about. Uh, I, and I definitely know that they're going to like the way his teams perform on the floor. Their style of play, you know, uh, I, I think the excitement that that 
our fans were accustomed to in the past. I think they'll see that again, and I think we'll be able to show that by our fans coming coming out. Uh, because uh, over his career, everywhere he's been, uh, he has played an exciting brand of basketball from the high school level on, on up to the level. And then, of course, uh, we know what he's done internationally, both on the men and women's side. So uh, he's well-rounded. I think he has the uh, – he, he definitely has charisma, and he has uh, – the, the desire to be uh, a great coach. So I think our fans will see that. You'll see that in this team. Yeah. Uh, coach Hughley, can you, can you hear me? We, yes, we sir. Got you. Yes, we sir. got you back. There you go. That, that, that's much better. Um, talk, talk about the style that you would like to bring in uh, at Alabama. And then for those who uh, probably don't know much about you, what, what what do you want to accomplish as far as your style and and what have you at Alabama A&M? Well, we want to play 94 by 50. We want to really go up and down and play in an organized, chaotic fashion. Well, it's organized for us, but it's chaotic for the opponent. In the <laughs> in the in like in in, in in the nature of the way Van Petaway and Coach Ben Job used to play. I think the way the game is organically played in our neighborhoods uh, around the world, where everyone wants to go and be aggressive on both ends and be up and down and not inhibited by you know things that doesn't allow folks to display their gifts and who they are in the, in the nature of the, in the context of you know how we want to play. So if you can help kids be who they are naturally in the context of an overall mission of competing at the highest level, then I think you got a chance to be good as you go on and going forward subsequently. And Coach Hughley, your vast experience in, you know, on the international uh, side, collegiate high school, how did that de- help you develop your philosophy as far as what, what you – what you want to bring on the basketball court for your teams? Well, it allowed me to fuse together the best of all those worlds. FIBA, it teaches you how to compete against uh, folks who just clog up the lane or make you play in the crowd. The NBA, the pick and roll and being able to space the floor and, and get downhill into play with automatics when the defense does this you do that without calling a set being able to play within a 20 we're really at 18 second shot clock so you can get as many shot attempts as possible and then at the high school level just being able to fundamentally arm kids with the non-negotiable things of the game on both ends of the floor that they must uh, be able to use on call instinctively, just repetitiously utilizing the fundamentals by making them do those things every day. So it becomes as organic as scratching your nose when it itches. You know what, Coach, that's that's very interesting because uh, one of the things I also wanted to discuss uh, with you, you were you were coaching in the conference under the late great Ben Job at, at Southern University. Uh, do you see, and I'm sure you were, even though you were in different areas of coaching, 
were you able to you you were able to uh, look and see how the conference conference and the style of basketball is being played is do you see a big difference in the conference the Southwestern Athletic Conference now compared to when you were in the conference uh, when you were associate head coach at Southern under Coach Ben Job is there a big difference or is basketball still fundamentally basketball? Well, when I was in the conference and prior to it, Coach Joe had set a template that tried to emulate when he when he really took uh, Georgia Tech and Bobby Crimmins to task. And then when I was there, uh, Van ran this conference. Now what I see is everyone trying to play the way Coach Petaway played. And Coach Petaway played the way Coach Joe played. Now I want to play the way they both play. People are trying to press more. They're trying to shoot the three more. They're trying to play the full length of the court more. And they're trying to mix up their defenses a lot. I think that's the impact that Coach Petaway had had on this league because folks want to emulate the winner. And Coach uh, Joe set the standard, and then Coach Petaway carried it to a whole nother level and set a new standard everyone else is understanding that that's how you're able to win and everyone's sort of playing that way. Now that's just Wednesday. In order to take it another step, you're going to have to do that and more. And I think that's what the NBA experience and the multiple international experience in tandem with collegiate and high school experience, hopefully that's what it'll allow me to do is take it to the 3.0, 4.0 level. And how, how, Quick, you think it'll be an adjustment for your your, your student athletes at Alabama A and M to uh, 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 to adjust to your, your philosophy? Do you look at having a short term goal and a, a long term goal? But how quickly you think your team will hopefully adjust? Well, it's hard to say at this point. You know, quite naturally, it it, it takes a minute to build a winner. Um, but our goal is not to just win the swag. We want to compete for the national championship. And I know that's just good speak, but I have an edge. The standard bearer who learned from one of the best, he's right here with me. And his impact and his oversight at every game as a commentator, as a mentor, and as someone that really understands the landscape both on and off the floor, Man, the edge that I have is immeasurable, and it's irreproachable. Man, do you not think I'm not going to uh, be grateful and prayerful and 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 and, and I already challenged Coach to let's eat every week? Uh, I'm going to be picking his brain like crazy. Yeah, I, I understand that, Coach. You hear that, and um, you know I I, I know Coach Petaway is a is a advocate Fisher. So I'm sure you guys will have a, a lot of time to, uh, to talk and, you know, have lunch and what have you. Um, coach, do you have a question for coach Hughley? Well, yeah. Hey coach, what do you see your, your, uh, the, the biggest difference in what you're doing at Alabama A&M and what you all did at uh, Southern university? Well, the, the biggest difference is um, the change of defenses that you did 
Uh, coach liked to do that, but Coach, hey, he's going to press you from the bus to the cafeteria. Um, and and one thing that Coach Petaway did, and we didn't really do as much at Southern because we didn't have the personnel to do it, but Coach would have done it, is he, Coach Petaway will find a matchup and he'll exploit it. And he'll put defense in a position where they're never right. If they take her this way, this away, Coach is going to counter with that. If they take that away, he's going to counter with this. It's likened to an A move that you just, the shot you trust versus the shot you like. You take the shot you trust, and then you develop a counter to that shot. Now, take that a little higher. You get a game plan that you trust. Uh, and then you develop a counter, anticipating how they would defend it, and you give a counter that's polar opposite where they can't be in two places at one time. So you place the defense in a position where they're never right. Coach would always change defenses, you know, at various times. There's really no pattern. ATOs, ATDs, after timeout offense, after timeout defense, he always would put something in that the, the defense probably wasn't ready for. And even if they were, they weren't good enough to stop it. He still, that's just like not being ready for it. Those are some of the things that we're going to try to employ here as we learn our personnel, we develop our chemistry, and we uncover and unearth what we do best. And that's still an excavation right now because we all knew. And, and speaking of new, me and Coach Petaway, uh, we've, He's discussed on this show about, you know, the transfer portal and, you know, that's a route that a lot of coaches are taking. Then there's the, the I call it the traditional way, recruiting the high school level, getting them in school, help them to get their degree, but also help them become better uh, uh, players and human beings through, uh, you know, four or five years of, of college ball. What is, what, what is your philosophy on that? Will you use a mixture of both, the transfer portal and, uh, you know, recruiting high school talent? Will you have a mixture of both? Or, or what is your stance on, 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 on that, Coach Hughley? Well, well, from the outset, we'll, we'll definitely have a mixture of both. But I'm real big on recruiting the high school kids, investing, teaching, and learning and watching those kids develop where you have a core group that you can carry with you for a while. Um, but in this, this climate, in the landscape of college basketball now with NFTs and LIs and guys moving around here and there, you have to have experienced basketball players, experienced student athletes, experienced high character kids that are willing to really, really, really lay it down for each other. So you got to have a mixture, but you do not want to alienate that high school coaching community, AAU coaching community, because I think at some point they're going to go away from the transfer portal. And when they do, if it's not sooner or later, then all those who just totally depended on the, the transfer portal, they got to go back now and not only restore those relationships, maybe have to resurrect them because those relationships will virtually be dead. I'm not going to allow my relationship. I'm going to grow my relationships during this time and really at least try to get two or three high school kids 
when we can each year at various positions. When a kid is a junior, then I'll recruit at that position. You know, I'm almost like Herman Boone in that regard. If I recruit a kid, I'll measure 10 times and cut once. It's going to be really unlikely unless that kid just does something really drastic, and hopefully that doesn't happen because we're going to vet very carefully in the beginning. I'm not going to non-renew anybody. When you're with me, you're with me until you graduate. So, and I know that's not a lot of that going on, but that's that puts the pressure on you as a coach to really teach, build relationships, cultivate, you know, as much growth and development and with the kids you select each time and every time. So hopefully the high school kid will, will be you know, very, very, very important to us as we go forward. Tandem with junior college transfers and a transfer portal guy here, a transfer portal guy there, as we see the need is what we want to grow to. In other words, coach, you're saying you got right um, transfer portal at yeah, all. In other words, you, you got to have some bands. You got to be smart when you when you go into the transfer portal, and you want to balance that off with high school uh, athletes, and then you know sprinkling some junior uh, college players. Uh, I, I just wonder, coach, because that is one of the things. Now you. Uh, me and Coach Petaway, we often discussed on this show about having balance uh, with, with with that. And you said something key about building relationships, and uh, and that that that's what it's all about. Um, because every other week, I'll come across a parent who's worried. You know, they have a student athlete in particular sports, and they're, they're concerned about because of the. And you know, look, they keep up with everything that's going on. They're concerned about the transfer portal. Will their student athlete, their kid, have a have an opportunity? And so I'm glad that you you stated that. Hey, you, you still like to build the old fashioned way, Coach Pedro? Isn't that something to say it that way? The old fashioned way, the traditional traditional way. You know, with high school yeah. athletes, so that that's a good right. thing to I say. I think it's still yeah. There's still a place for the high school af- athlete in in today's game. Uh, you the, the, the key is you got to get the best of the best in order for that kid to be able to come in and help you right away. Uh, I think most coaches have gone to the transfer portal because that kid has already had an experience on the co- collegiate level. <clears throat> He's already mm-hmm. uh, learned, he or she has already learned how to get up and go to class on their own, uh, do things on their own because, you know, you got to remember in high school, their parents were still there. There was somebody there that was always making sure they were where they were supposed to be. And once you get off into college, you know, that's a new responsibility for a lot of these kids. And and being able to uh, to navigate a campus, do the things that you need to do uh, to be successful. A lot of kids, uh, they fail at that. And that's why that job falls on the on the uh, it falls into the coach's lap. Now we as coaches and our staff. We have to make sure that those athletes are where they where they need to be, and that's why a lot of the, the uh, collegiate coaches are looking at those uh, at the portal so hard because you know that they've gotten uh, a kid out of the portal who's already navigated all these things, and it's a little bit easier. 
you get a more experienced player a lot of times on the court, and then you got a person who has already made that collegiate adjustment. So I think that's why a lot of the coaches look at the portal. But uh, I think it's like what Coach Hughley is saying. You got to have balance. You know, you can go to the portal, but you still need to bring in a couple of kids uh, from the high school level because in order to build a program, you need you need stability. And you get stability in the high school kids matriculating through your program. So uh, uh, his point is well taken it and uh, – that that that's also my philosophy. Yeah, you can use the portal, even though the portal was not there when I last coached. But you still had JUCO transfers that you can bring in, and you can still bring in kids as transfers. But a lot of times, uh, uh, back in the older days, if a kid was available who could really play and he was transferring, that means that most of the time he had back, and it was then it was a uh, a matter of whether or not you could deal with what what took place. Uh, proud of that kid coming to your place. But this is, a, this is a new day with that NIL, the transfer portal. Coaches have to not only maintain their rosters, they have to re-recruit their own players at the end of the season because of this, because mm. of uh, the easy access to the portal, because they've changed and relaxed the transfer rules. So uh, my hat's off to these coaches that are coaching today because – their job is a whole lot harder than it was when I coached because most of the time, brought a kid in, that kid wasn't looking to transfer, especially <coughs> if they got playing time. So uh, with, with the NC2A relaxing the rules, now that gives kids an easier out. And I think in some cases, they make a lot of mistakes now because when you look at over 1,000 kids being in the portal every year, and then when, when uh, the new season starts or the new school year starts, there are a lot of kids that are still in the port because they made a mistake. So, so that thing goes both ways. And so the parents, they got to look at it, you know, just because your, your kid hits a, hits a wall uh, during their first year or second year in college, doesn't mean that it's time to jump ship. You know, a lot of times it might be better to work out things and issues where you are than trying to go to a, a, a different place. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it's interesting as we've talked over the past uh, few months, um, the situation we have now with NIL and transfer uh, portal. Speaking of relationships, Coach Hughley, um, it's always important to build those, um, y- your staff that you, you have with you. Is it completed or are you going to add any more? Where, where, where are you at as far as just your, your staff? Yeah, it's completed unless we can get somebody to come volunteer. <laughs> but it's definitely completed. Um, and there are there are such persons out there. You just got to make sure it's a good fit. Um, and uh, we got we have some really good people. And the biggest thing in this in this industry is you have to have really competent, loyal people. Mm-hmm. They have to be loyal to what you do. And Coach Van really mentioned me in that as well. Um, and that's something that just is universal in all sports. So having a loyal and a competent staff is really good. I'd rather have loyalty, and I can help them in areas that they may have shortcomings in. But you always want to hire people that are strong where you're weak or where you're, they're strong where you don't have time to do a certain thing. 
or your position as a head coach doesn't afford you to, to really pay attention to those things as much. So we have people who are very competent in certain areas that can really help us uh, subsequently take this program back to what it was. Visit with Coach Otis Coach Petaway Jr. Was, was beating everybody. When Coach Petaway was whooping everybody and, <laughs> and taking their lunch. <laughs> uh, I, you, you know what? I, I, I remember Coach Petaway and his teams coming to the F.G. Clark Activity Center. Uh, first thing I noticed about Coach Petaway, of course he knew what he was doing, but his intensity. He was very intense. And uh, what was the guy named? O.B. Trotter? Oh my goodness! I mean, but but it wasn't it wasn't a secret when you saw Alabama and M's on the schedule. And they would come into FG Clark Activity Center. I would call it forty minutes of hell defensively. You know, pressure <laughs> from baseline to baseline, yeah. and you know it was going to be intense. And uh, and uh, boy, Coach Petaway was very intense. I never forget an exchange, and he may not remember this, but. Um, and I can't think of his name now. I'm having a middle-aged moment. But he was on the uh, Southern's uh, staff. I mean, athletic staff. Football, baseball, he did everything. Maybe his name's going to come to me. But I'm sitting there on courtside, and uh, he was giving Coach Petaway a, a, a rough time going into the locker room. And Coach Petaway just turned around and pointed to the scoreboard. And that was all I needed to hear. Yeah, Alabama and was winning going into the half. Now, it was a dogfight the second half, but those, those kind of things, you know, you look at the intensity. With that being said, Coach uh, Hughley, uh, talk about the relationships that you've built with coaches that in the conference that right now. I know we talked earlier this week about Coach Sean Woods at Southern University, but uh, what is your uh, – your respect for uh, some of the head basketball coaches in the conference right now? Oh, tremendous respect for everyone in the conference. I know Johnny really well. He recruited one of our kids when we were at, when I was at LaFleur High School. Um, so I know Johnny, for been knowing Johnny for some time. Um, I know the rep most. I don't know all the coaches, um, but of course, Sean, you know, he's, He's pressing, but like I said, the impact of what Coach Petaway did, the remnants of it is still here. Everyone is trying to do the same because that was their model for winning. That's their reference. And uh, so I think the the health of this league is, 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 is really growing. I think the competitiveness by, by virtue of, uh, you know, the NCAA tournament and all the other postseason play and how each team is representing this league competes beyond. Um, I think it's it's going the right direction. I just hope that we can contribute here at Alabama A&M to that, to that growing health of this conference. Well, I'll tell you something else, uh, Coach. Uh, we often talk about uh, the strength of the conference and how it can get better. And that it leads me, brings me to this, the, the out-of-conference schedule. I think I heard you earlier saying your goal is not only to win the conference, but that, to be success beyond that. What can we perhaps look for in the future? I don't want to say next year, 
uh, this upcoming year, but as far as your philosophy with scheduling uh, out of conference games? Well, we, we want to be able to compete with anybody and not just compete, but going into every game with the mindset of winning. Uh, I went to the junior college in Selma and, you know, I said to them, we would be ranked national. Well, and, you know, they heard it just like you would probably hear it now. And we were, our, our women were ranked number two in the country and our men were ranked number four in the country. And then the next year we reversed it. Um, uh, at Selma High, same thing. I'm not a LaFleur High, same thing. We were number one in the country. Uh, number two, number we were basically those seven years as a coach in, a professional coach in China. We took a team that was at the bottom, we finished fourth. Um, I told um, the team in Nigeria and in China and in Japan that, you know, we would get a gold medal. Well, we got four. They didn't know they had never won a game in world competition. Well, I'm saying it here at Alabama A&M. There's going to be a team out there with, that's perceived like we are that's going to every year compete for the national championship, go to the final four, get in the sweet 16, be a surprise. If not us, who? Why not us? If not now, when? If not here, where? Why cannot be us? Why can't we have the work ethic and the, the wherewithal and the preparation to be that team? There's no reason why we cannot be. And there's been a pattern by God's favor and by God's grace that for whatever reason, we've always been, you know, my teams have always had that chance to do so. Uh, we were Frank 44th in the world, dropping down to number 70 uh, if we had lost that next game. But we finished number eight in the world, in the World Cup in 2018 with the Nigerian national team. Now they're currently ranked number 14th in the world right now versus all those teams that puts millions and millions of dollars into their program. And FIBA is a, a foreign organization from Europe. They don't have any hopes or anticipation of any African team being part of that top 20 and power 20 and power five uh, group, but we made it in there because we defeated those people who invest all that money. And that's how college basketball is. It's a difference in money and resource. And, and I'm here to tell you, if you pack as much you know, intangible wealth in your preparation, in your teaching, in your vetting, in your you know, investment, in tandem with whatever other resource you might can bring to bear into these children here at HBCUs, you could be St. Peter's to borrow from something recent, 3.0. 2.0 are national champions, but 3.0 is competing every year for such. So I know that sounds grand. It sounds like something huge, and it'll take it'll take some time. You know, like you said, we won't do this tomorrow, but that's our goal. If you shoot for the moon, you fall short. You've heard it. You'll be among the stars. If we shoot for the national championship, 
every year with all we have. And we know that the SWAC championship is the road to that end. Well, we got to focus really, really hard on winning our home games, getting half our road games, if not better, and competing in a non-conference schedule that gives you credibility where possibly you can get a, a 14th ranking, a 14 seed or 15 seed where you don't have to go through play and you can get a nice opponent. But if you have to go the long way like UPS and do it from the bottom up, so be it. We're, we're up to that challenge, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We just have to get on board with it where we can get our personnel and, you know, our preparation ready for such an endeavor. But that's our overarching goal. And I'm sure that's everyone. Coach Hughley, I'll tell you what, you, you mentioned about resources and, and, and you know, an investment in the program. Uh, you got a, a brand new facility that you'll be able to play your basketball games and your home basketball games. And how, uh, how huge is that to uh, sell to potential recruits? Well, our, our, our athletic director, our president, while they're so committed to what we're doing, they're really, the alumni, there's a, there's a whole big push and effort to, to mobilize interest both locally, statewide, regionally, nationally, and globally. And that, having a new arena, oh my Lord, in tandem with winning, in tandem with launching, you know, who we really are as a post-secondary institution where academically and athletically, it's very serious here about your child's future, about being able to arm your, 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 your child with all the requisite skills to go out into the world and really be prosperous as a citizen in their community and to raise a family and a man in a really, 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 you know, good understanding of who they are as a people and being able to afford uh, whatever they need to be uh, exactly who they were created to be uh, as people on this earth, to really be proud of our heritage. Do you realize this institution uh, were created because at some point in this country, they used to kill us for learning how to read. Mm -hmm. They didn't want us to learn how to write. And now we have these institutions who, man, not only teach us how to do that, but will arm us with whatever it is we need to be the best version of ourselves and to be excited about who we are, to understand that we err from kings and queens and from the, the country where, where life began. And it's an extraordinary experience to come away from the HBCU. HBCU, you're absolutely right. And, and I've often said that, uh, you know, to make sure that our universities be uh, vibrant, vibrant relative 200,000 years from now. Of course, guys, we won't be here, but that is the mission to have them there for the next generation and next uh, generation. Um, Coach Hughley, I, I see, of course, you have some NBA experience. So we've got about five, six more minutes. And uh, me and Coach Petway, we often talk some NBA and uh, uh, he knows 
Miami Heat is my team. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and <laughs> didn't go past that. But with your experience I, and Coach Petaway's experience, now we're in the finals. Golden State and Boston. Boston shocked a lot of people. It didn't shock me because seeing them <laughs> from a distance, Boston, uh, boy, defense. They can switch one through five. They, they're, they're just tough. And and I think that's what showed in the in the fourth quarter against Golden State. But anyway, I've talked enough. Get your guys' uh, comments on the NBA Finals right now with Boston up one uh, to zero, Coach Hughley. Well, Coach Petaway and I spoke about it yesterday. He's very big on recruiting people from championship programs, winners. Al Hoffett is the key to Boston's success. Not the productivity in the stat line, but he's a winner, and he brought winning to that locker room. It's very difficult for a guy to go to a team, leave, and they bring him back, and he has such a prominent role. That's indicative of what, of an impact that he's having on those kids who could not put it together prior to him being You look at how Brown and Tatum and, and, and Marcus Smart are playing now. Then you throw in White. These guys are playing at an elite level because they're inhibited by, they're not inhibited by, is it my shot, is it your shot? They're playing the ball with extreme man movement, ball movement, being able to play on both ends of the floor for each other. They take the best shots for the team. Now, I don't think <laughs> this series is over by far. I'm really <laughs> biased to to uh, to uh, Golden State because I worked there. You know, Steve Kerr is a is my guy. Mike Brown is a dear friend, and of course, I you know I, I'm I'm really close to Steph and Clay and Draymond, so. Uh, those are my guys. But M.A. Yudoka is Nigerian. We both went to the same junior college. So I'm pulling from a man. So I'm conflicted a little bit. Now, if you take away all the subjectivity, who do I think will win this series? Man, this might go to – this is going to go to game seven. And it's going to be really, really, really tough to shore this one up. Right. Golden State's going to have to have a statement game. Yep, yep. I, I think it'll go seven, uh, Carlos. But my, I'm I'm still going to bank, put my money on uh, Golden State. I, I still feel that with all those shooters, everybody's not going to be off at the same time. I think uh, in that fourth quarter, people uh, were talking about uh, the defense of Boston. I think if you look at it. Uh, they had a lot of open shots. They just didn't drop, and and so I'm I'm thinking that uh, with them with their championship DNA, that they'll bounce back, uh, and 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 they will win some game. They're gonna have to win one on the road now in order to to get the home court advantage back. But it starts tomorrow night. They got to win that game number two. I think they'll do it. I think they will attack Boston differently, and I think going down the stretch. Uh, I think they'll keep 
uh, Curry in the game. I think one of the things that I had reservations about when he was scoring everything in the first quarter, I thought he sat out too long in the second quarter. I thought he should have been back in the game because he was in the rhythm. And I felt that had he gotten back into the basketball game, that rhythm would have carried over for the entire second half. But a lot of times when you get a score, when you get a guy on a streak like that, you got to let him play. You got to let, you got to give him as many opportunities as possible because I I think you left a lot of points on the table when you had him on the bench uh, because he was in his game rhythm. So I look, I look for them to make it just a, a few simple adjustments, and I expect Golden State to uh, to come out uh, with a victory tomorrow night, and then go on to Boston, and it's going to be a seven game series. Yeah, prognosticators all look like they believe that it's going uh, seven, seven games, and uh, boy, when when you're talking about Curry, it remind me of the microwave, Vinny Johnson. Ride him until he can rest after the game. I mean, I know he needs a, yep. a, a few minutes rest, but uh, that was a tremendous uh, first uh, quarter. And, um, yeah, their backs are to the wall. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say it that way, but it's a must win, I think, for uh, oh, yeah. Golden State uh, tomorrow night. Coach Hughley, um, any closing comments? Um, I'm looking at in the chat room. Uh, I, I'm assuming it's Alabama and m alum or fan or supporter saying they can't they can't wait they're looking forward to uh the basketball season so you made an impression on 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 that person but um any closing comments you have you can do so now sir no thank you uh thank you coach Petaway. thanks carlos for you know taking your time out to give audience and uh allow others to give audience to to, uh, what we proposed to be the expectation subsequently for this program and to allow me to to speak to those who are other, otherwise wouldn't be able to to speak to thank you so much and you know god bless well i appreciate the kind words and thank you for uh coming on coach and um hey i, I appreciate that 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 walking you 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 got in this morning and we'll We'll keep up with each other. We're we're both on the on on the situation that we're we're going to to do better. So hey, keep up uh, the good work in, in that aspect, and appreciate you coming on. Have a wonderful weekend, and uh, we look forward to talking with you again real soon, Coach. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you, and Coach Petaway. We'll talk again yes, next. Sir. Next week, um, we'll have a NBA uh, update with the finals. And uh, once again, I, I want to thank you again for help setting up the interview with Coach uh, Hughley. I, I, you know, I, I looked at the bio, very impressive. But now getting a chance to talk with him and having him on the show, the the bio matches up with with him. I think Alabama and him from the outside looking in. I always preface it by saying it that way. I think they have a jewel, and I, I think success, I know success is coming. And so I, I, I wish them much success. And when they come to the F.T. Clark Activity Center, I hope we uh, give them a very warm, warm <laughs> welcome. But uh, I, I'm impressed. I'm truly impressed. Coach Petaway, right, well, thank- closing comments. 
Well, uh, well, thank you. I, I think we did. We we hit a home run. I think Coach Hughley is going to be uh, good for for uh, our institution, and uh, we're going to try. All we got to do now as as fans and alums, we got to support him and that program. And I think uh, it'll pay great dividends. And uh, I want to thank you uh, for the day, and I look forward to next week. And uh, everybody, stay safe, and God bless. And and Coach, I'll give you an update on my. Uh, end of the season talk I always have with Pat Riley. And um, I, I'm going to tell him what you said. You don't have to tinker with the roster at all. Just you maybe add a few pieces or yep. one piece. But, hey, you're close. Come back next year and do it all over again. But I, I'll give him that advice. You know, he's tough. He, all right, Carlos. He's, he's a godfather. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Take care, Coach. By the way. All right. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you. That was Coach Van Petaway here on the Coles Brown Show. I'm gonna take a timeout now. I'm scheduled. I'm scheduled to talk to a special guest, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, do that. Dupree Fuller Jr. He's a Southern University football commit. Um, we're scheduled to join with him, and he's in Pacific Standard Time. So we're going to take a quick time out. When I come back, it'll be more of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1. Now, you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter.
This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Brian Fulford, producer of today's show. Eat your heart out, Brian. The Marching 100. He's a FAMU graduate. Of course, I'm a Southern University graduate. Hey, I try to be objective, but I just simply believe that the human jukebox is the number one band in the land. Now I'm scheduled to join with Dupree Fuller Jr. He's a Southern University uh, commit. He plays a position of tight end. And you can see on the graphic there, he's committed. And uh, I'm going to talk to him right now. Welcome him to the Coles Brown Show. Dupree Fuller Jr. He's in Pacific Standard Time, so I can say good morning uh, Dupree, how you doing? Welcome to the Carlos Brown Show. Good morning, Carlos. How you doing? I'm doing fine. If I was in Pacific Standard Time, it, it, it would be mid-morning, <laughs> correct? <laughs> yeah, been mid-morning, about 10.30. Yeah, well, it's uh, 12.39 Central Standard Time, but uh, pleasure to have you on uh, the show. Um, I want you to talk about, we'll start the conversation talking about um, your commitment to Southern University and, and the recruitment. Mm -hmm. Tell us how, how that started and how it uh, ended. So uh, recruitment started kind of like right after season. Right after season, it kind of started like kind of slow. I had a couple Division two offers in the IA, just things like that. And then I ended up taking a visit to uh, my first visit to Adams State, which is a D2 up in Colorado. And then after that, like literally when I was getting on the plane right home, uh, Coach uh, Coach Harrington from uh, North Carolina Central ended up uh, offering me. So um, that's how. I 
Yeah, and we'll have to get him right back. Uh, I, I think we lost him there. But uh, Dupree Fuller Jr., uh, tight end. Uh, what we can do, Brian, you know, wait until we get him back, uh, if we can, uh, put up his, um, his highlights and you can kind of see what uh, Dupree Fuller Jr. brings to the table. He is, a, I think he's just going to be a tremendous uh, asset at the Southern University playing along with Ethan Howard at tight end. But, uh, you know, he has a complete, He's a complete package. He can block. He's very athletic, about 6'4", 245. That's what's listed. We'll confirm it when we get him back on. Uh, but I, I think he's a, a defensive nightmare. As you can see him lining up, he's a big target. It's kind of like if you're looking, it's like a, a, a power forward who has the body that he can shield. And when he's, when he's you know, getting ready to receive it, he can use his body uh, to uh, to catch the ball, but uh, we got uh, uh, Dupree back, and I was just saying, yeah, you, out. To me, yeah, I understand the to- the total package. You you, you can re- great hands, athletic. Uh, you receive, uh, you can catch the ball, and then you're also a tremendous blocker. And so when we talked earlier this week. Uh, you said you pride yourself on being the total package. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Definitely, definitely. So, uh, like, early on, a lot of people thought that I was more of, like, a uh, receiving third tight end. And, like, that's a lot of a lot of reasons why my recruitment kind of, like, got off late. Like, so I had to uh, put in a little bit of more of a tape. That's that's the clips you see right there, like, the blocking clips. That's more of like for my freshman year at North Park. And that's right there is from my sophomore year at Valley. And when I ended up transferring, I was the uh, best receiver at the school, too. So my offensive coordinator just said, I'm going I'm to use you everywhere, like how I was used in high school. Mm-hmm. And that was just something I agree with and really like. So I ended up uh, mix, mixing up the highlight tapes. So it's more blocking in there and more uh, just diversity. But, uh, yeah, I just I pride myself on being all around, all-around all type player. I feel like uh, that's, that's the way to go. That's, that's really where the money at in that's how you can be unstoppable. You can be unstoppable with a pass game, blocking game, and you can see in there I run the ball a couple times too. So I uh, just want to be three-dimensional at all times. Yeah, well, you know, to me, that that's that's a great thing because, uh, you know, even if, if you're a receiver, you know, it's important, you know, blocking downfield. That could spring a, 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 a long run from the running back. Great hands. And um, I was listening to another show that uh, talked about, you know, what you're going to bring. And, and that's why I said the, the, the total package uh, run and uh, catching and blocking. But um, you went out before and we were talking about your, your, your recruitment and uh, we can pick it back um, up at that, at that yeah. point. I know you mentioned about North Carolina Central getting the offer. Um, so take it, take it from now. Continue to talk about the recruiting process. Uh, so, yeah, after, so after about that um... – the things started really to pick up. So, like, a lot of the times what happens in the recruiting process is, like, you really – a lot of schools, I can say, are, like, waiting on that first, like, Division One offer, and then, like, they all, like, start to roll in. So, after that, I, for, I forget the order that they came in. But then I got uh, I got Long Island, which is in New York. I just didn't post, post it on Twitter. Like, some, it's the politics is weird sometimes. And then, um, then I got – I'm not sure. Yeah, I got Bethune-Cookman. Then after I got Cookman, then uh, I got Southern. I was actually talking to uh, Coach Bailey for a minute too. 
we were just waiting on the my, uh, everything to get clear with the compliance office and everything. So me and him got a good relationship. So he he finally offered me. We uh, made it public and things like that. And that was real big for me because I actually had a teammate that um, from Valley who came from Southern, D. Francis, but um, he would just talk to me about it. And I always like thought about like being going to the HBCU and being part of the HBCU culture. So it's kind of like a dream come true, kind of, because I was just thinking about it, kind of like manifested into uh, reality. But then uh, after I got Southern, I got Grambling, and then took a, took a visit to both. But I like Southern more, like Southern way more. So I just used to the commitment. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it went. <laughs> well, well, Dupree, I, I, I enjoy that because I think on social media, I, I saw when you took the trip, uh, to Grandma uh, State University, so I, I won't say any more about that. But when you actually took your um, your visit to Southern University, what kind of stood out to you uh, on, on, on your visit? Uh, just like kind of like the family like feel like everybody felt like close to it and was like cool. Like talking to all the coaches, it was like talk like I could actually like have real conversations with them and just talk with them at any time about anything. And I would just we would just just be uh, talking for about cool, like 20 minutes, just waiting. And it didn't feel forced or anything like that. So that was just a big, uh, a big um, part of my recruitment. I just, I feel comfortable with like, coaching staff and Coach Doobie and Coach Bill, you know, the whole offense that's over there. You know, and, and you hear that often when, you know, student athletes make a, a recruiting visit, they talk, to, that's one of the things you hear about. It felt like uh, a family, you know, you, you kind of felt the bond. Um, how about other recruits um, that when you made the trip, were there other recruits that 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 came with you, and, and did you kind of kind of bond with them as well? Oh no, definitely, definitely. Uh, I went. I actually went out there with uh, a guy that I, I know. Like we didn't really know each other though, really, but we um, we knew who each other were. We went to we played each other. We went to different schools. My boy, uh, Taekwon Gil, I don't know if you know, but he actually got an uh, offer from Southern right now, too. Uh, they, they actually in his top five, too. He said he announced right. his uh, commitment June 13th. So I don't know. He ain't telling me what's going to happen. So hopefully he become a Jag. So we're going to see what's good with that. But definitely uh, TQ, we uh, we did a whole lot more. We was on the same flight, same plane. We was uh, the same airport, all that. So we were sitting next to each other. So we were just talking about recruit- recruitment. What we can really do, but also not just uh, TQ. My boy Zach up there too. He was actually committed before he even went on the visit, so he up there, uh, big D tackle with my boy. Uh, my boy Jeremy, he actually committed somewhere else, but it was just cool to connect with the recruits. And you always stay in contact. I, I can still call and I can call Facetime these dudes whenever I want to. That's what's good. So it's always cool, no matter where they went, where no matter where they're going. So it's always cool to build that connection with people. Now, you know, it's going to be interesting from, you know, from California, uh, coming to the deep south. And for us, you know, the culture is, is different. I understand that. Um, I'm sure you've probably answered this already from other sources, but um, the weather, the, the humidity and the heat, you look like yeah. you're in great shape. Um, have, yeah. have anybody told you about that? And, and, and then, of course, <laughs> Back to the culture, the food is outstanding here, if I do say so myself. No, yeah, I could definitely elaborate on both of those. Now, that's, that's really all I hear is the humidity. All, all people be talking about, 
when I be working out like with other with other guys like that, because like you people always ask us like they know you going somewhere, like you ready, like you ready for things like that. I got a friend that's from Louisiana, he's like, Boy, you ready for that humility? And I'm like, man, I'm gonna see what's good. I was up there on my visit. I was I was sweating in the bus. I was like, ugh. I like it's real muggy out here, but I mean it's gonna be some getting used to. I mean, Cali ain't no slouch either. It's more just direct heat, not really humidity. So just taking a good uh getting 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 used to and the food, man. I got a little taste for that on my visit. They took us to uh Route 66. Route 60, I don't know. One of those, Route 60 something. But no, nah, it was going crazy. It was going crazy though. That, that was a real introduce. I ain't get my I ain't get my crawfish. I ain't going to lie. I ain't get my crawfish. So I'm not to this and like first day I get out there. But uh, nah, I'm already knowing about the food. I'm gonna make sure I stay in shape. I ain't getting no weight for sure. Well, that that that's a good thing because that is all you know in, in the recruiting uh, process. Now we we of course we, we just saw a, a little bit of a, a mixtape of. Uh, your, your your highlights from on the field. What do you believe that you have to uh, improve on um, for for next year? And then we'll come back and talk about your strengths. Improve on my biggest, my biggest, 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 biggest uh, probably flaw is my stamina. I probably say like my my junior college coach even told me he was like if you had the stamina, he was like if your stamina was like really up there. Like he'd be like you're the best player I, I I'd ever seen. Like he he had me running like five straight phase going deep like every single time. Like even receivers don't get gassed at that point. But no, nah, but de- but definitely uh I stand with it. If I, I feel like if I can stay in a a, a whole drive a whole hundred yard drive without like really like wasting wasting a step wasting a breath at all, I feel like that can be just tremendous my abilities because I feel like. Well, you already uh, – that was just – I'm not going to get into that because he said we're going to get into my, uh, my strengths later. So, yeah, just my, my stamina. I my stamina. How about your strengths? Strengths. My biggest strength is definitely my love and ability, I say. So, like, if I um, – I'm, I'm big, but, like, I, I got feet. And not, nobody really know that except, like, the guys who, like, I really play with and like, I run routes with every day. So they, they like know my moves, but I definitely got tricks in the bag. I definitely got some things special that you can just see and be like, oh, like, he got something special. But my feet, I feel like, is on par with a number one wide receiver. I do, I do forward drills, releases, all that. My, my uh, feet and my right running ability is definitely my biggest show. My size is well, my boxing out ability is well. Now, it's listed in 6'4, I want to say 245. It, it's. What what is what is official right now? Um, your, your, official right your, now. I give you official right now. Official right now. I'm about six four, two forty two. That's what I'm about right now. That's that's my official. I just weighed myself today. I'm about two forty two. So we at two forty two. I don't know if uh I might work a little bit down or just stay where I am. Because if I really if I really because I can I can really play at two thirty. If I play at two thirty, I'm. I really like look like a wide receiver out there, just a big wide receiver. So I feel like I'm really just getting used excessively, like how coach said he's gonna use me, which is all around, all over the place, outside, inside, all that. I have to go to two thirty so I can uh, be able to uh, beat the PBs up top. So that's definitely uh, something I might do. I can also, I can fluctuate my weight. Really well. I can uh, I can drop about like ten pounds in about two three weeks. So I can. 
I can fuck with my brain real well. My body's just like, I don't know why. It's weird. Well, you're young. That's youth. And so yeah, that's a good thing. Because that's, what, that's what my parents be telling me. Yeah, but listen to them. They are, they are very wise. Trust me. <laughs> I'm sure they're probably younger than I am, but um, and you're very uh, he, he's very multiple of the things he can do. We'll, 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 um, there we go. We got him back. Um, and that's going to be my next question. Coach Dooley, uh, he, he's, he's planning on using you in, in, in uh, uh, multiple ways. I think, didn't you also play some, um, you were put in the backfield sometimes? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Coach had me everywhere. I played a – he had me an agent back, doing fullback. My first touchdown, I actually got a running back. Uh, I actually I got a touchdown playing quarterback. I was out So, yeah. I literally played every possible skill position on the field. Wow. That, that's exciting. And how about the, the conference? And I'm sure people have told you, of course, you know, the Bayou Classic. It is huge. Uh, that and this year is going to be really, really huge. You know, it's kind of like a family rivalry, but I think mm-hmm. it's been the heat's been turned up. You know, because of yeah, players yeah. that the new coaches at, at, at Grambling, and you know they're recruiting uh, some of the similar players. Then you also got the big game against Jackson State. So have, have you kind of looked at any of? Uh, Southern's footage from the past season um, to kind of help you gather some information. Talk a little bit about that. Definitely. No, yeah, that's crazy. You actually said that because actually before we uh, before we got on the phone, we was I was actually looking at uh, the past game. I, I try I try to I try to start, I try to like look at it and like exploit matchups that I can uh, I can beat. Like I, I look at the roster, who coming back, look who's signing there, who going there, all that. I'm trying to I'm trying to use everything to my advantage and see. Uh, who I can beat whenever I can beat them. Use any any advantage uh, I can use. And then I try to I try to look at the offense. I feel like the offense might be a bit different because of changing coaching staff. I know Coach Julie going to spread it out mm-hmm. a bit more. I only seen the uh, the spring game for a little bit. So def- so I definitely look, but I definitely look at uh, at the team, see what we got going, some strengths and weaknesses. So I'm definitely looking out and what's good. I'm not going to and they're blind, not knowing what's going on. Yeah, and I I forgot to mention FAMU will be another big game. That's on the road in Tallahassee. The the Jackson. Don't forget LSU. Right, that's game game two. But that Jackson State game, I I think it's going to break records. I think you you may have 70 miles in there. That game's going to be exciting. Yeah, that game's going to be exciting. I'm excited for that one. Oh, I understand. Let me ask you a you know, question to final point. Um, uh-huh. Ethan Howard, Ethan Howard, a tight end uh-huh. who uh, was at Southern University. Um, you got a chance to meet him, and I can just see Coach Dooley. Boy, it's like a, a kid at Christmas. All the tools that he'll have offensively. One, uh, did you get a chance to talk with Ethan Howard, a tight end on Southern football team? And, and if you uh, did, I, I guess you can't share everything, but. Uh, how did that go meeting uh, him? The crazy thing is, I actually I didn't get to meet Ethan. That's the crazy thing. I just I just hear I hear good things. I, uh, we follow each other on Instagram and things. We, we talk okay. a little bit. 
So, uh, so I def- definitely probably need to get that relationship a little bit up there. But uh, definitely, I feel like what we can bring to the table is something very dangerous. We about the little, we about the same size, uh, and we about the same like kind of play style. So I feel like just having two big dudes out there who can do the same thing is gonna be really deadly for defenses. Right. I mean, because you can flank you out. You know, I I, I call them a hybrid, and I think of you as the same mm-hmm. way. A hybrid, in my definition, exactly. meaning can do multiple uh, things. Well. Uh, Dupree, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you uh, uh, coming on. It's, it's kind of mid-morning for you, Pacific Standard Time. Is there anything mm-hmm. uh, else you would like to relate to the to the listing audience in the Jaguar Nation? Just go Jags, man. Just get prepared for the show. Why don't put on the show? That's all I'm well, I'll be happy. And, you know, every game is important, uh, Dupree, but uh, – October 29th. Uh, everybody who knows me, I've been doing this a while. Jackson State to me, that is just the it, – it, it, it's a healthy, healthy relationship. And that's on October 29th. That's my birthday when Southern University goes into Jackson yeah. State. I definitely I definitely got to celebrate that weekend. And um, that, that game definitely. is going to be just outstanding. But um, appreciate you coming on. Uh, continue to uh, – Continue to keep grinding, and uh, hey, more blessings and peace to you and and your family and your wonderful parents. And uh, we'll get a chance to talk again real soon. Thank you, Carlos. God bless you too. Thank you for having me on the show. All right, my pleasure. That was Dupree Fuller Jr., a uh, Southern University uh, commitment, tight end, two hundred. He said forty-two pounds, officially six foot four. Uh, we put up the. Uh, and some of the highlights, and I'll probably get a, a, a one that's uh, more updated, but um, you could see that's a tremendous talent. And I'll tell you what, uh, the conference as a whole, each uh, Jackson State, Alabama A&M, Grambling State, uh, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Alabama State, everybody is upgrading their roster. So it, I think this 2022 football season, in a Southwest Athletic Conference is just going to be tremendous. But with that comes a lot of pressure. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be pressure to win. Um, all Corn State, nobody's not really talking about them. Uh, Coach McNair, to me, one of the finest football coaches in, in the country. He just quietly, like Coach Dooley, quietly, just quietly getting things done. Coach Dooley and his camp is about to start right now. I'm glad the uh, Carlos Brown Show was able to uh, sponsor three uh, student athletes, players uh, for the camp. Uh, I want to thank my business associate, Michael Elam, also Adrian L. Wilson, and help with uh, everything to help that uh, come to fruition. So it's it's about, you know, helping out and giving back. I want to thank all the guests, Coach Carlos James, head baseball coach at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, Coach Otis Hughley, uh, men's basketball coach at Alabama A&M, of course, Coach Van Petaway, uh, a regular on the show, and uh, also Dupree Fuller Jr., who we just uh, talked to. Also, Brian Fulford, uh, producing today's show. Uh, appreciate him. Uh, appreciate everyone who uh, tuned in. Uh, I'll continue to look at uh, your comments in the chat. Uh, box and um, 
at a rapid up for June 4th edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network until next time at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. As always, peace and God bless. shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN online and on all social media at MyBCSN1.